Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with April Bettinger of Nip Tuck Remodeling. For the past 25 years, April has carved out for herself a respected niche in the construction industry. Her father was a custom home builder in the area during the 70s and 80s, so she grew up watching and learning about excellent customer service and what it takes to build a high-quality project. Throughout her career in construction, April has held key roles in finance, budgeting, customer service, team building, and sales management, preparing her to own and operate her own company. NipTuck Remodeling was founded in 2010 on the heels of the recession with a vision and determination to create a construction company with extraordinary craftsmanship and a focus on professionalism. She is driven to make a difference in the construction industry and leads her company with vision and purpose. She is known to tell you like it is and approaches each and every person she meets with authenticity. Now for the conversation with April Bettinger. Hey, April, thanks for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in. Let's kick things off. Like, who are you? What's the company? Where are you guys located? All that good stuff. All that good stuff. So April Bettinger, my company is Nip Tuck Remodeling. We are in Monroe, Washington, which is about a half hour out of downtown Seattle north and east of Seattle. And we're a design build company. I have a staff of nine and we do kitchen and bath, whole house interior remodeling. Right on. Very cool. And so did you start the company or how did how did the company uh, get formed? Yes. You know, it's a, there's always a catalyst to everything, right? So I started with this <laughs> company just myself, November, 2010, you know, basically a, a result of the recession, running someone else's company and managed to get through it, but it was time for them to take over their company and for me to start my own. So that's what happened. Right on. Yeah. So yeah, what did those first couple of years look like for you? (laughs) A lot of ambition and drive and not much. So it was basically me without any money in the winter of 2010 in the basement with a desk (laughs) and learning that QuickBooks was not on a server anymore and that all of those things that I had before I had to recreate. So really, it was just not even any employees. So I started out in a model of subcontracting work and I started networking and found a couple of really awesome gentlemen that are single member GCs, found some people to network with and managed to sell $250,000 that first year. Sounds like it's a lot for one, but it was just barely enough to get the food and the bills paid. The second mm-hmm. year was probably harder than the first because I'm like, oh my God, I have to do it again now. <laughs> Only I need to make money this time. So <laughs> so it was about a half million dollar second year. And that's, I think, Towards 2012 was my first employee came on board. And so gotcha. it's really been growing. It's really every year since then. 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you said, well, first years, I'm not surprised that they're tough. I feel like start starting a business like the first few years are always <laughs> a scramble. Yeah, it was hard. They were little, you know, as I still have one. I just did a kitchen for one of the first clients that we ever did. It was a hall bathroom. So back then, you know, it was a $15,000 bathroom and a little hall bath. It took, you know, probably a month or so and with one person. And now, you know, that's, we really don't even do hall bathrooms very often unless it's part of the whole house. So things have definitely grown. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Well, I'm curious. You you mentioned really briefly there a second ago that you've grown kind of every year since. I find that a lot of companies don't experience that. Like they go through kind of like an uptrend and then they kind of stall out or they kind of fade and then they might, you know, start moving up again. Why do you think you've been able to do that steadily since, you know, that's like 12, 12 years now. So yeah, it's 12 years. Well, there's like any other company, there's several places where we hit a plateau and I'd say somewhere in that one to $1.5 million range, we hit a plateau for about three years. That's about the time I think I joined right after a million dollars in revenue was when I joined RA Remodelers Advantage peer group. And that helped to really give some substance on what to do to grow. So it meant I needed to have employees and I needed to have systems and different things that weren't just me. So really it's, we've been on the Puget Sound Business Journal's book of um, fastest growing companies a couple of years in a row, 2018, 19. We've doubled two different times during the history and last year was a doubling year. So it was, you know, every year time it does that, it's just crazy. It breaks everything and you have to go back and start over and start, well, not start over, of course, but fix what got broke. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how that happens. You know, you get to a certain point and you're like, man, this, this just structure doesn't work anymore. And so you think you'd be able to incrementally fix things all the time, but sometimes you kind of have to like really break it to rebuild it. Well, yeah. I think when you asked about why do you think you can make, you know, grow and be profitable, there's only one year in 11 I've ever lost money and it was 2016. And it was, you know, only $10,000. I think it was a small amount comparatively, but I have a finance background, so I've always felt really strongly in planning and budgeting and always every single year have a plan. And then it's much easier to hit a plan if you actually have one. So I think that's probably really where that came out and just knowing your numbers so you can make a profit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's tough to execute a plan if you don't have one. So (laughs) I know I say it all the time, you fail to plan, plan to fail. Yep. My high school weight training coach had that quote all the time on his whiteboard when we'd walk in there and yeah, it's, it's stuck with me. It's a, it's a good one. So I'm curious, you know, just kind of reflecting back on the last, you know, 12 years, what do you think has been maybe the most challenging uh, part of just like being in business and navigating all the challenges and then maybe on the flip side, what's been the most rewarding? You know, it almost could be about the same thing, people. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> so being able to grow and add staff. So I was just thinking about we've this year we've added three new staff members to our team, and and it's exciting and we're growing. But every time we add a new team member, that's a, a new risk that comes in. It's a new person, and you know we've got just an amazing team. But there's been a lot of folks just over the years through attrition that, that come in and they might not be the right person. We might not be the right fit for them life happens, they move. So, you know, people are humans and they need have different things going on in their personal lives. So it's challenging. But then on the rewarding side is, you know, I probably get goosebumps every time I talk about what do we do and we make, we change people's lives. 
And we've probably touched 150 homes and families. And to be able to do that and see such significant change and to have a team that is really excited about that and passionate for it and loves it, then that's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. No, I, I love that answer. Cause yeah, it, the, the people is almost everything, you know, there's tools and tech and everybody, but it's really the people and it. Yeah. There's two, two sides of the coin and yeah. Well, that. and that's another reason when you ask why, why have you been able to grow is like, well, there's people that have to have such control. It's only them. And then they never hire people or they don't want to let people succeed or give them the task. And so you don't grow, but when you do, you have to open yourself up to, you know, growth and to exploration and to risk and everything else. And that's hard. Yeah. What were the hardest parts of the the business to give up to start delegating off to to employees? Oh gosh, you know, uh, well, my first hire really was a project manager, and I'd say uh, because I have a project manager brain, and so I would sell, estimate, and manage the project, and not having that control over that piece was really hard. But I I think every employee that's come administratively has been a split from me, and the most recent hardest ones probably been I hired a director of operations. That is where I had most of the staff are now reporting to her directly, and I'm not the main management, and that's just within our first year. So that's been a big, how do I let it go and how does she succeed and take it from me? And, you know, that's been a challenge. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it sounds like a natural next step. I'm curious, you said you're about maybe a year into that. Any pro tips for people that are maybe haven't taken that step, but need to soon to throw out there? <laughs> you know, it's funny because I tried three different times to hire a production manager and I just could not get it right. You know, it just didn't happen. I wasn't finding a person. It's a really hard position to to fill. And so I asked a peer here locally, I said, so you have an operations manager and a production manager. If you had to choose and do this over again, which one would you have hired first? And he said, well, I hired, or which one did you, and would you do it that way again? And he said, well, I hired the production manager first. I've had a few. It's really hard position to fill. The operations manager had no experience in construction, but changed his life. He said, if I had to do over again, I'd probably do her first and then work on the production. So I took that tactic, found a person, she has zero construction experience, came out of the medical field, but operational flow and reducing friction is her, that's her thing. So that's what I chose to do. And yes, I would do it again. (laughs) Yeah, no, I like that. That's, that's good advice. And well, and then in some ways it's their responsibility to find the (laughs) the other position. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. yeah. That, that is the goal. Cause the next one, we will hire a production manager, but I'm going to have help this time. So it's just, it's just too hard with when the company is growing and you're doing so many hats. So I found that taking off some of those hats to administratively let someone else handle it with me is so much better. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems and 
I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I'm curious, I'm kind of around like the name of the company, how you came up with that. And then maybe just tell us a little bit about like your brand and kind of culture and what you guys are trying to, to do there. Awesome. You know, people do ask me about that because Nip Tech Remodeling is a, it's a catchy name. It's remember, it's a, you know, you remember it. And what happened was back in 2010, when I was in this position of I'm leaving a company and I want to start a company, you're stuck. Like, what is it going to be called? I couldn't get a website, a contractor's registration, anything. And so my significant other, we'd been noodling over this for you know weeks. And one morning he woke up and said, Niptech Remodeling. And I went, that's it. And, you know, because we'd been talking about edgy and precision and, you know, really doing things right. So he finally thought of that. I jumped up and within 15 minutes, I'm on the computer finding that there's no one else in Washington with that. Some guy in Austin, Texas has it and I decided that logo didn't look very impressive. So I wasn't worried about that person. <laughs> and uh, I went ahead and did it. Oh, I like it. Yeah. So that was the origin and the brand. And, you know, I think when we first started, because I, I didn't have a design background. I was, I'm not a designer. I have more of the finance background and the project management. You know, I went, we were towards a project management expertise type of company and I partnered with, with designers. So it really high-end interior designers. So it was a really great fit to be able to, to work in combination with them. And we built a reputation on on time, on budget, on purpose uh, and being everything on purpose. Well, now you know, fast forward to 2017, I finally got designers on my own staff and we win awards every year. And so now it's, it's really, we're leading with design. So on the client facing side, we lead with design so we can make something really unique and special for every house. And, but internally, you know, you'll see on our website, it says happiness guaranteed on every page of the website, which sounds crazy. I know because you can't really guarantee happiness, but the culture that we're building here is we do believe you can, because if you really take people on a journey and you let them explore how their house is going to feel and function and flow, and you don't move on until you get that right, and then you go and layer on some aesthetics, and now it's exactly them, and it's only them and personal and unique, and then you layer on the value. So, the, you know, how much is it going to cost? That's the hardest one because it's very expensive mm-hmm. to do what we do, but, you know, Everybody's value ceiling is a little bit different. So value is not about just price. It's about what you're getting. So the culture is, if we do that, we can have happy clients. And then the the employees here, they're all about culture is team collaboration. We have, we just started Nip Tech Cares this last year, which is a philanthropic side where we donate almost 1% of the 
gross revenue of the company. We pick different charities and we picked five of them this year. So we get to go and share our abundance with those less fortunate around us. And the team really loves that. So that's super cool. Yeah. It's really a giving heart centered culture here. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see how it ties into like the happiness guarantee, like it all lines up in terms of what you're trying to build internally and how that, you know, I guess goes through the entire client journey and, and process. Yeah, it's all about the experience and it has to be both sides because if you have happy people coming in to do projects, then you're going to get happy people experiencing the project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. And I think we're doing pretty good at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not that it's like totally a self-fulfilling prophecy, but if people come and they're expecting happiness, then they're probably more inclined to look for those moments than the negative and, you know, some of the other stigmas about just going through a remodeling project. Well, who would do this on purpose and not want to enjoy it? I mean, who sure. really would, would anyone ever want to do that? No, they wouldn't. But the bonus and actually people are shocked that it is fun and it goes like it's supposed to, because that's not what they're expecting, even though you say it and it's everywhere, they're still shocked when it actually happens. And yeah. That's pretty awesome to see. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. Well, I'm sure all of your projects have gone perfectly every single time. But uh, <laughs> do you have any like uh, wacky client stories or like really interesting, unique projects that you can share? No, you know, luckily, I think we do a really good job of finding people that fit, you know, once in a while, we don't. But unique. Actually, we have one on our website. We have a couple that are really pretty cool that we got to play with recently. The most recent one is a house that we did an entire remodel. It was, you know, it was an over a million dollar remodel. And as we flowed through it, we ended up replacing the front doors. And when we looked for inspiration on what this was going to look like, and the client said, I really want Alice in Wonderland on my front door. And so we explored that and went into it and he got, you know, he and his wife got to pick every single piece of glass. We partnered with an artist and mm. it's a really fantastic. Alice is on his eight foot tall, six foot wide double French doors with the tree of life and the Cheshire cat hanging out oh, there. Nice. So yeah, that was really fun. And then the other one was being unique, picking an heirloom when we're sitting with some clients and we're in the dining room looking at what's going to happen. And there's this block of wood hanging out in the corner. I'm like, what is that? Well, that's a, that's my an old cobbler's block. That was my great grandfather's or something's from the 1800s. Oh, what are you going to do with it? I don't know. It just hangs out there, uh, but we love it. We'll never get rid of it. Well, do you want to put it in the remodel? Sure. All right. So it now is at the, head of one of the islands built into the island and with all the little marks and all. So yeah, it's fun when we get to do things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and I feel like too, that probably ties back into the happiness guaranteed and just kind of like being attentive to clients and really listening for what they're, they're wanting, or maybe I guess in that instance, almost makes me think like, you've got to be looking for opportunities because it may not, there's no script for that. Right. It's just like something you pick up on and then you have to include it. So yeah. I yeah. Like I think, that. I think that when you think of the pixie dust, it's if, if you could have something unique, that's uniquely you and your, that means something to you in your home and we can make that happen and you surprise you with it. then that's, I think that's just really it when you could do yeah. that. Yeah. I feel like I'm starting to get a sense of what makes you guys unique with some of the things you've described. But if you 
were just sharing with somebody that you'd never met or, you know, a new potential client? Like, what do you think makes you guys stand out in the marketplace or makes you really unique? Well, I, you know, I really do think that it has, it, we lead with purpose and heart. And, you know, it, I don't know if it's that, you know, we have a team of eight and five of us, you know, six of us are female of that. And that there's just a lot of women here or, you know, I'm kind of mother Hubbard and I like to shepherd. And so not that a lot of companies don't have heart, they have a lot of it, but I think that's what makes us kind of special is we just really want to hone in on those details and, and give you the goosebumps and make it be exciting and fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. All right. I'm going to shift gears for a couple more questions before we okay. wrap up. Industry's gone through a lot last couple of years. You know, it's <laughs> looked a little different than we've ever seen before, but I'm curious, like over the next, maybe let's say 12 to 36 months, you know, something like that. What do you think are a couple of the really big challenges that we all like as an industry need to be thinking about and problem solving for? Well, you know, I think we'd have to be under a rock if supply chain and resources don't come at top of the list. I think, you know, for my company specifically, we've gone through some resource challenges. We have, you know, the great resignation is a thing and construction people are retiring. And mm-hmm. we've been fortunate enough to have some really amazing people, but they're in their late 60s and they're ready to hand the torch over. So I think there's going to, you're going to see a really big focus on workforce development and bringing people up and into the trades and the supply chain. I just really hope, I just hope, you know, there's some more stabilization about it. In the last two years, I think the last three months has been the hardest that we have been through. We would start and end on time like always start on time. 99% of the time we end on time. And now with supply chain, we can't get some things and we don't have stoves in kitchens and we don't, you know, there's plumbing reselects and problems and quality control. So I think for our industry, we have to really focus on setting the expectations and guiding people through that, you know, really well. And really being experts of knowing, kind of navigating through this, you know, what can we select? What are the tried and true products? Uh, How much lead time do we really need? There is now, there is no more just in time management. You have to be three to six months thinking ahead at all times. So I think that's one of the biggest things. And luckily, I think we were positioned, we already think that way, but we had to stretch that out for us even more. And it's stabilizing. Yeah. No, those are good. I yeah, I think I think you're right and I've been hearing similar threads. I mean, those are the big the big ones. I mean, yeah, we hope supply chain is more of like a shorter term fix ish, you know, but the workforce development, I mean, yeah, that's something I think we all got to be thinking about and, and proactively working towards quickly because like you said, I mean, people in their 60s and they're they're retiring and then how many people are coming in in their 20s and the numbers aren't adding up so well, yeah and the world around us too i mean it's been a years of growth and people really wanting to remodel the pandemic forced you know more people than ever into the want and so you know many of us are booked out for almost a year so that's a challenge but then you know you see what's going on in ukraine and the the interest rates and the the whole world and who knows what's going to happen you know so that's you know always in the back of our mind of watching you know how do we mind growth and protect ourselves and our clients and and just keep going 
At the end of yeah. the day, I tell Ray, we need about 15 people to make our little world work. And we're in a really great market to do so. So, yeah, yep, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Yep, control what you can control. All right, April, final question. There's a lot of other remodeling business owners, remodelers listening to this. If you could offer them some words of wisdom or one piece of advice, what would you say? What would I say? That's a great question. I think you got to find your passion in your business and trust other people to help you. Good advice. I like it. Yeah. Well, April, I've really enjoyed this and thanks for carving out the time to share your story with me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Spencer. I appreciate getting invited. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.